Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome to the Smirconish podcast for independent minds. Guns in America. I want to prevent the next mass shooting from happening. Obtaining a court order to prevent gun sales or remove guns from individuals who pose a threat. Strengthening background checks, right, with an emphasis on mental health. So much of the current debate is based on sound bites. I'm the biggest fan of the Second Amendment. We also want to make sure that we protect people's due process rights. And not substance. To help and make America safe. I'm going to protect the Second Amendment rights. The following conversations intend to fix that. Sirius XM's POTUS presents Aiming for Facts, a week-long deep dive into America's gun culture. Critical thinking. Facts. Open and honest discussions on all sides of the gun debate in this country. Now, here's Michael Smirconish. I think, uh, with no fear of contradiction, that this will be the most entertaining contribution for Aiming for Facts, our week-long deep dive into America's gun culture. And I know you remember this sequence as I remember this sequence. It began May 17, 2013, when in the Washington Post, there was an op-ed that began this way. I'm a member of the National Rifle Association and a former Army officer with assignments in the military police, artillery, and operations research and intelligence at the Pentagon. I'm also... Ted Nugent's older brother. Yes, Jeffrey Nugent is the former president and chief executive of Revlon. Who knew? Hey, man, these Nugent brothers, they've, they've got some, uh, some uh, type A DNA, don't they? Ted and I recently attended the NRA convention in Houston where he delivered the gathering's final speech and continued his ardent defense of the Second Amendment. Ted and I have hunted together for decades, and we legally own a large number of guns. We both understand that guns constitute deadly force, so safety is foremost in our minds. It's part of responsible gun ownership. And I agree with Ted that our constitutional right to bear arms should not be undermined. I want all those who are qualified to purchase a gun to be able to do so. But, and here is where I part ways with my brother. Not everyone is qualified to own a gun, so expanded background checks should be a legislative priority. I asked TC to please find me, Jeffrey Nugent. My recollection is that he was a great radio guest, and this I know for sure. In the midst of my interview here on SiriusXM POTUS with Jeffrey Nugent, I received an email from Ted Quarters. And that is the younger brother, Ted Nugent's 
uh, you know, operations center. HQ. Yeah, HQ. Thank you. Headquarters. Headquarters. And he wanted to be heard. Yes, he did. So at the end of the interview with Jeffrey Nugent, we get to Ted. Now, I'll, I'll, we'll get to that in a moment. Right. First, I, I really uh, think you're going to find this of interest. What's it like to be the older brother of Ted Nugent? Meet Jeffrey. Hey, Jeff, how are you, sir? And thank you for being here. Uh, Michael, I'm delighted. Uh, I've always considered you to be pathologically articulate. <laughs> You're sounding like your brother already. Yeah, we, we have the same mother and the same father. What do you expect? Jeffrey, before I talk guns with you, I'm, I'm really taken with the idea of the brothers Nugent. Please paint the picture for me of growing up as Ted's older brother. Uh, well, Michael, that's a, both a complex and a simple uh, story because what you see with Ted today, uh, and I was there when he was born because I'm two years older than he is, uh, is a great example of an evolution uh, that was predestined to be exactly what Ted is today. Uh, passionate uh, and, frankly, has developed an extreme way of communicating, uh, which I'm sure you've noticed uh, on occasion. Uh, but he has focused his passion in an extremely successful music career, 40 million albums. Uh, he is one of the most highly regarded hunters in the country. Um, and he has been passionate about his uh, focus on protecting our rights under the Constitution, particularly the Second Amendment. So uh, spending all of the time that we did growing up, uh, I was the one who, frankly, uh, helped him develop a way to deal with my uh, drill sergeant, Jesuit uh, father, uh, and I don't mean that literally, uh, because we came from a very disciplined family, but also a very close family. And, you know, each one of us has gone our uh, separate ways, but we've got a core DNA that uh, has resulted in four siblings who never argue. And I don't see that very often. The four uh, siblings, they, obviously two brothers. Who, who are the other two? Uh, I have another brother, Johnny, in Chicago, and I have a... Uh, I call her my baby sister in Traverse City, Michigan. But I, I know most of what you just told me, respectfully. Give me something yeah. else. Was he a fun brother? Was he the troublemaker? Was he always into rock? Did you share a bed? Uh, we never shared a bed. Uh, we, <laughs> I won't take that any further. Uh, but there were parts of his approach to things that stood up to my father who was, you know, much bigger than, you know, any of us at the time. And frankly, he didn't take shit from anybody. Um, <laughs> Why does that not surprise me? <laughs> I don't know. But, but I think, you know, one of the pieces in here, Michael, is that uh, he's had a focus on what he has defined to be his ideal uh, life. And uh, there aren't many kids at five and six that 
you know have that clear picture. In other in other words, Jeffrey, he's been consistent. This is this is the Ted that you grew up with. Absolutely. And one more one more one more close. one more yeah. about the childhood if I might. You're yeah. the older brother, 2 years older than Ted. What were you listening to? What were you into? If I'd seen your turntable back in the the the, the 60s or 70s, what would I have seen? Well, uh frankly there was a lot of uh Jazz, Ahmad Jamal. Uh, I I started a uh, radio station on my college campus in Indiana. Um, and, you know, while I was, you know, into Iron Butterfly and MC5 and a lot of the other <laughs> things uh, that I, you may even be old enough to remember, um, you know, I I just, uh, you know, love jazz. And, and today I'm into probably what would be called New Age. Um and while I I admit that Ted is one of the most accomplished and talented guitarists in the world, uh, most of the music I don't listen to. But I just went to his concert in Atlanta, and I was reminded what a consummate showman and uh, expert uh, guitarist he really is. This is Jeffrey Nugent, Ted's older brother. And I, I don't want to put all the emphasis on Ted, because Jeffrey, you yourself are the former president and chief executive of Revlon. You've had a hell of a career yourself. Yeah, it's not bad. And, uh, you know, I spent a few years with Ron Perlman and uh, quite a few more with Johnson & Johnson. And, you know, I acquired Neutrogena, ran that for five years. Uh, so, yeah, I kind of took the different path. Nature or nurture? Because if the Nugent brothers are both so successful, and I'm sure that Johnny and your sister are doing well also, do you look back at the way in which you were raised, or do you do you, do you think it's that DNA, that Nugent DNA? I think it's a Nugent DNA because, you know, we were instilled with, uh, you know, the importance of uh, excelling at whatever we did. And clearly, Ted has excelled at everything he's attempted. Uh, and, you know, we, we both face different... Uh, challenges where it's difficult to accomplish what he has in all those rules and regulations and politics. And it's the same thing in my world that it's been very difficult to accomplish what I have, um, you know, more on the political base than on anything else, frankly. Jeffrey Nugent is a member of the NRA, also a former army officer. Thank you for your service to our country. Where do you part company with younger brother Ted on the gun issue? Well, I think it's what I tried to articulate in the piece that I put in the Washington Post last Sunday. And um, and part of this is the two of us went to the NRA convention in Houston a couple of weeks before. And one of the things that I found uh, disturbing that, frankly, he and I uh, part company on is the uh, attitude of no compromise, uh, that that's the mantra that uh, the current leadership of the NRA, uh, you know, puts forth to their membership. And in my experience, there is never any progress without compromise. So with all of the issues that we're facing relative to gun control, and, you know, the, the tragedies that we see, there are eight children killed every day with firearms. Think about it. 
you know, one new town. Uh, I, I'm fed up. I am so angry. I, I'm having a tough time controlling it. Michael, when you look at the uh, representatives in Washington and the Toomey Mansion bill, which, by the way, I have to really salute Senator Toomey uh, for showing the courage he did, uh, but there was a Grassley-Cruz amendment that uh, were uh, inevitably on a uh, crash track that uh, is an example of how these politicians we put in Washington uh, aren't out for our best interests. You're aware 90% of the American population want progress on background checks, correct? Correct. And when you look at the uh, attention and the true um, uh, commitment to making some change, it's just not there. And I also challenge the NRA, who can be part of this solution, and they've done some good things in the past, to go back to the old NRA and and not be the strident voice of Wayne LaPierre that uh, militarizes uh, the membership that they have, which, by the way, is a significant minority of the number of people who own guns in this country. You make tremendous sense to me. And the way I would verbalize it is to say that I think the NRA has oversold the slippery slope argument. And, Jeffrey, I haven't been a member. I'm a firearm owner, but nothing like you and certainly nothing like Ted. But I haven't been a member in years because of of that we're not giving an inch mentality. I mean, Manchin to me to me seemed eminently reasonable. I don't want... Uh, some crackpot getting a firearm. And I, I think that if you're going to transact business, uh, if it's a gun, it should be much like a car. There should be some level of, of oversight of the process. That doesn't stand in the right of, of someone who's a straight arrow and wants to exercise their, their Second Amendment rights. There should be no threat to the Second Amendment for, you know, my position. And I've joined this Evolve organization that is is really trying to speak for the majority of people in this country. Think about it. You know, you've got a bell-shaped curve, and you've got the uh, vociferous majority on both ends of that curve, but the overwhelming majority that uh, occupy the middle curve that I was, you know, very impressed with, with the responses I got from my article in in the Post, the overwhelming majority are saying we need someone to speak up for us because for whatever reason, they don't have a voice. Let me just quote a paragraph, if I might, from what Jeffrey Nugent printed in the Washington Post, and we've already tweeted it and put it on Facebook and the homepage and so forth. You say, I believe strongly that expanding and improving mandatory background checks will keep a lot of people who aren't entitled to Second Amendment rights from having easy access to guns. As of today, a convicted felon can find a gun show or a private seller and buy a firearm without a background check. That loophole should be closed every gun transaction action must include a thorough background check why would responsible gun owners want to protect people who threaten not only our safety but our gun rights when you share that with your brother what does he say well they come up with and and ted specifically feels very strongly about this that um i believe that there is a concern about this slippery slope idea 
and I I vehemently uh, uh, argue against that. That this does not need to lead to anything. It goes back to the NRA's mantra of no compromise, stand and fight. And it's almost like they're at the Alamo, you know, fighting the Mexicans. And, you know, this isn't the Alamo, and we're not being attacked by Mexicans. There are uh, a majority of responsible gun owners in this country who could take a proactive leadership role in fixing some of these holes. And, by the way, an important part of this is the NICS system, the system by which you actually go through a background check, you know, needs to be fixed. And that's part of what I'm promoting. I'm not saying use the same old system that's been there for years, uh, which, by the way, doesn't include mental health uh, input. And I understand HIPAA as well as anybody. And uh, individuals' health information has been off limits. Uh, there is a way to highlight the fact that uh, there are individuals, Adam Landau, classic example, uh, he had demonstrated behavior that someone should have highlighted to take him out of uh, harm's way or, or the ability to hurt someone. In that case, it was his mother, uh, God rest her soul, who was a legal gun owner, but completely uh, dropped the ball on the the responsibility aspect of legal gun owners. And it was because of that that, you know, this kid got access to these horrible weapons and committed a crime that, you know, should never have been allowed to happen. This is Jeffrey Nugent. We're obviously talking guns. I encourage everybody to read what he published in the Washington Post a week ago. Jeffrey, as a political matter, it would seem to me that sportsmen are the constituency that are most ripe for the argument you're making. In other words, I, you know, I've, I've been to gun shows. I've been to gun shows with your brother Ted, as a matter of fact. Uh, and I, I, I'll never forget, I have to tell you, I will never forget introducing my three sons to him as Uncle Ted. And one of, one of our sons then saying to me on the way home, Dad, which side of the family is he on? And I remember saying, your mother's. <laughs> That's right. That's but but my, to, to my point, the sportsmen, the guys who are out there hunting, who are not a, a Second Amendment purist, I think there's political ground to be made with them, so long as they're assured that their hunting rights are not going to be jeopardized. Absolutely. Uh, and, you know, the numbers vary, but uh, they claim an NRA membership of somewhere between four and five million. Uh, it is a conservative estimate that there are a minimum of 30 million gun owners in the United States. So one of the first questions you got to ask is, you know, why aren't more of those people belonging to the NRA? Uh, I belong because uh, I've been on off and on member for years and years. And I want I want to understand firsthand what the messages are that they're sending out to their membership, and um, and, it, and it's clear to me that there's this strident, uh, you know, give up, don't give up an inch in this argument that appeals to a minority of the gun owners in the United States.
why can't more people spend $30 a year, you know, to become a member? You know, it's not uh, prohibitive. So, you know, just by pure mathematics, uh, there is a majority of people, and, and I haven't done the market research, but I've got access to it, people who own guns who aren't members of the NRA are not members by choice. Therefore, to your exact point, uh, there is a solid base of people who are not buying the NRA message uh, that we want to be able to um, include in our message of responsible gun ownership, uh, of protecting the Second Amendment. We don't want to do anything to the Second Amendment. And by the way, you run into people who say, the Second Amendment is there to protect deer hunters. Well, I'm sorry. And I know your background, and I know you understand the meaning of the Second Amendment. It's not to protect deer hunters and make sure that Joe Biden, you know, uh, proposes a double-gauge shotgun that the poor woman left alone can go out the back porch and shoot, you know, both rounds off and scare somebody away and is left with no rounds in the gun. Um, you know, I think Joe Biden is this hysterical. The latest one he's come up with, I'm sure you've seen, is that if all bullets were chocolate, you know, we wouldn't have this problem because everybody likes chocolate. No, what, I miss. I must have missed that. I what a concept! <laughs> I must have. Hey, Jeffrey, a final question, if I might. What is in your sure. future? Did, did does this Washington Post piece represent some sort of coming out for you? And to what extent do you intend to play a leadership role in this regard? Well, I think the first thing, Michael, is you know I'm becoming more involved with this Evolve organization. And it's a group of very talented, very passionate, uh, and very connected people. Uh, and our, I think I told you what our objectives are. It, it really is to be able to speak for the majority without uh, endangering the Second Amendment. Uh, two is, you know, I'm, I am uh, continuing to write. I have uh, a book underway right now uh, aimed at uh, helping everyone understand Ted because, you know, seen through the camouflage, if you know Ted, he always wears camouflage, um, to be able to see through the camouflage to understand that Ted's intentions are actually quite intelligent and he's after the same thing we are, but he's taken a different tack. And ultimately, this is going to be two loving brothers uh, trying to get a uh, make an impact in the American public uh, to help them choose uh, how to be more responsible and to significantly reduce these tragedies of gun violence. When the that, book comes uh, out, when the book yeah. comes out, you'll come back. We'll promote the bejesus out of it, and we'll continue the conversation. Here, here's my final thought: having had some exposure to your brother. I recognize he's a very smart guy, very sure. smart. And I would like to think that at a certain level, everything you've just said really does make sense to him. Uh, I'll have that conversation with him separately. But what, what a delight to have you on my program, and thank you for writing what you wrote. Well, I appreciate the opportunity to share it. And, uh, Michael, you've been one of my heroes. Keep the, uh, keep the messages out there. You're nice to say that. Jeffrey Nugent, appreciate you being here.
great. Thanks, Michael. There you go. All right. There it is. That's Ted Nugent's older brother, Jeffrey, by the way, former president and chief executive of Revlon. So what was Ted's response? Because from Ted Quarters, he wanted in. You'll hear that in just a moment. Smirconish podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure ready RAV4. Available with all wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Listen to Michael live, weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM Channel 124, and on the SXM app. This is Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124. Now, back to Aiming for Facts, a week-long deep dive into America's gun culture with Michael Smirkanish. So the way this whole Brothers Nugent thing came together is that on May 17 of 2013, Jeff Nugent, as I said, I, I never stopped to think, you know, that Ted has siblings, but Jeff Nugent, identified as the former president and chief executive of Revlon, published for the Washington Post. I'm a member of the National Rifle Association and a former Army officer with assignments in the military police, artillery, and operations research and intelligence at the Pentagon. I'm also Ted Nugent's older brother. Ted and I recently attended the NRA convention in Houston where he delivered the gathering's final speech and continued his ardent defense of the Second Amendment. Ted and I have hunted together for decades and we legally own a large number of guns. We both understand that guns constitute deadly force, so safety is foremost in our minds. It's part of a responsible gun ownership. And I agree with Ted that our constitutional right to bear arms should not be undermined. I want all of those who are qualified to purchase a gun to be able to do so. But, and here is where I part ways with my brother, not everyone is qualified to own a gun. 
So expanded background checks should be a legislative priority. And then he goes on to make his case uh, in furtherance of that observation. And as as we pointed out during the course of speaking to Jeffrey, word comes in from Ted quarters that Ted wants to be able to respond to his brother. And so in very short order, we made it happen. And Ted Nugent followed Jeffrey Nugent. Hence, you get the full Nugent experience in this portion of our Aiming for Facts week-long deep dive into America's gun culture. You've heard from Jeffrey. Want to come back in just a minute? It'll be the Motor City Madman. This is the Smirconish Podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM Channel 124, and on the SXM app. This is Aiming for Facts, Michael Smirconish's week-long deep dive into America's gun culture on POTUS, Sirius XM 124. Okay, so before we get to the younger brother, Nugent, let me just provide a little bit of context here. And if you just tuned in, we're in the midst of Aiming for Facts, our week-long deep dive into America's gun culture. And in this edition, I am featuring the brothers Nugent. Jeffrey Nugent, I don't know why I was even surprised to hear that Ted Nugent had a brother, but I was. <laughs> Jeffrey Nugent, the former president and chief executive of Revlon, in May of 2013, penned an op-ed for the Washington Post uh, saying that he's an avid hunter, he's an NRA member, but he parts company with his brother insofar as he thinks not everybody is qualified to own a gun and therefore expanded background checks should be a legislative priority. And after Jeffrey was our guest, I got an email. This all happened organically in the midst of the show from Ted. And Ted said, hey, I want to be heard, too. And you're about to hear his response, his rebuttal 
to his brother. But it brings to mind, as I talk about brothers, TC, I can remember going to a gun show and taking my three sons. Ted had just been on the radio with me, and my boys were probably five, seven, nine at that age. And the men and what I'll never forget. Well, it's like, a, you know, mom's yeah. mom's working of on a course, Saturday and, and I got to humor them. And yep. what are we going to do? We're going to go to so we go to a gun, gun show. show. So we go to a gun show. And now Ted is doing a, a signing, I think, of Kill It and Grill It. And I said, uh, hey, boys, there's there's Uncle Ted. You know, he goes by Uncle Ted. New hey, there's Uncle Ted. Like oh, they're, they're my boys. Hey, hi, Uncle Ted. And then one of them famously says, Dad, which side of the family is he on? And I, of course, immediately reply, your mother's. <laughs> right. Yeah, Ted what Nugent. response to that? Well, she wasn't there that day. Exactly. Um, the other thing I remember about Ted is that years ago, do I have time to tell this? Yes, okay. sure. So years ago, he comes to Philadelphia and he is uh, performing at the Trocadero, which is uh, a rock and roll nightclub. Uh, on Arch Street, not far from the convention center. And I, of course, was going with Liberal Paul. And I asked to interview Ted, and they said, come on over to Ted's hotel room the night of the show before he goes to the concert. So, oh, gosh, this is really remarkable as I think about this now. So with Liberal Paul, he was staying in a place on Rittenhouse Square, nice neighborhood in Center City, Philadelphia. We go to the room. Ted opens the door in his stocking feet and we sit down. It's a small suite and we sit down at a a kitchen table type of situation. And and I have a cassette recorder. I begin to interview Ted Nugent. We're about five minutes into the interview and I look down at my feet and the tape is spooled all onto the floor. And I, I've been in a position, I've been in a position before, I, I, I want to say with one of the Phillies years ago, where the interview just didn't record and you're in the midst of the interview and you realize it's not recording and like, what do you do? What do you do? Do you wrap up the interview and, and just never air it to try and save face? Do you come clean? Well, there's no dilemma here. He's going to know. What am I going to do? Reach down and scoop up all the cassette tape? So... I stopped the tape and I apologized to him and I said, Ted, I am so sorry, but look what I've got on my hands. He pulls out, what did Dirty Harry have? A, a Glock. 40, no, he had a 40, <laughs> 44 Magnum. I don't know. Well, he had a gun that was like the size of my forearm that I didn't know he was carrying, but I wasn't surprised. He pulled it out of somewhere. He pulls out this enormous weapon and he points it at the... Uh, the tape recorder. And I, I, if he had pulled the trigger, I would not have been surprised. But he didn't. He was very gracious and he was very kind about it. And he said, look, come to the show tonight. Meet me backstage. I'll give you a couple of minutes before I go on. Couldn't ask for more than that. So that's exactly what transpired. Uh, I also remember him performing a stranglehold that night, which was just amazing. But, TC, here's a part of the story you may not know. I then wrote up the uh, th- what had happened for the newspaper, for the Daily News. I was writing for the Daily News at the time. 
And I'm pretty sure that Ted got a, a letter from the DA's office for carrying in Philadelphia without a gun have a permit. Carry permit he for Philly? Philly. Philly had a very restrictive gun law at that time. And, and you outed him. And I'd outed him. Unintentionally, I'd outed him. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, without further ado, this is the younger brother, Nugent. You've already heard from Jeffrey. Here comes Ted to respond to the older bro. Hey, Ted. Yes, the dog is reported for duty. Michael, <laughs> happy spring. Is my brother Jeff a wonderful American or what? Well, let me just say this. He's like you. He's a really smart guy. And I, I said to him, Ted, I, I said, is it nature or nurture? Is there something in that Nugent DNA? Because let's just put aside the shtick for a moment. You are both two really smart, really successful guys. And I don't know about Johnny, and I don't know about your sister, but I, my hunch is they're they're successful as well. Well, I'm sure that Jeff responded with a positive to both those. It is uh, nature and nurture. You know, my, our parents were very loving, very disciplinary, and very encouraging. But uh, the guidance factor, we talked about this a lot before, but if you met my brother, my brother John and my sister Kathy, Mike, you'd see a real spirit of uh, rugged individualism, and I'm sure you felt that from Jeff. Well, you told me your dad was a disciplinarian. He was a no BS kind of a guy. Absolutely. Hardcore. He was a, my dad was a drill sergeant, Mike, in the U.S. Army Cavalry when he was 19, and he never stopped. <laughs> Ted, well, tell me about the relation. We'll get to guns in a minute, but talk to me about growing up with Jeffrey as your older brother. Well, you know, it was really an idyllic time. It was probably the dream uh, for mankind. I know that's really <laughs> a bold statement, but you know I mean what I say. Uh, it, we had just beat the Japs and the Nazis, so good had definitely triumphed over evil. There was a united spirit in America that I don't think has ever been as powerful except in our lifetime after 9-11. Uh, it was it was palpable, and and the industrial revolution was providing unlimited opportunities for people with such a Herculean work ethic, which was alive and well in Detroit, where we were raised. In fact, Detroit was not only a crime-free, beautiful, loving, neighborly epicenter, but it was the productivity epicenter of planet Earth, and that was a work ethic and a sense of a drive to be as productive as you can be, to do everything to the very best of your ability. And my dad pushed us hard. So it was a perfect setting to pursue the American dream of being the best that you can be and reap the rewards of your efforts. And Jeff personifies that, as does my brother John. If, I, if I had Kevin. said, if I knew you in childhood and I said, okay, one of them goes on to become a rock superstar and the other goes on to become the president and chief executive of Revlon, would I have got it right? Yeah. yeah. Hello. I'd have known. I don't. Okay. Well, he he said, Ted. He said that you know th that what you see is what you get with you, and that you've always been this way. That since childhood, this is Ted Nugent. Yeah, they would have, um, you know, they would have uh, made me the target of chemical warfare. They would have come up with so many prescription drugs to calm my ass down, and it wouldn't have worked, Michael. No, I have always been energized. I've always been driven, and uh, so is my brother Jeff. But he he took the uh, the collegiate and the uh, the uh, the business regimen, and I really fell in love with the rock and roll and what Bo Diddley and Chuck Berry unleashed upon us, and I've, I've kept it up. In fact, I'm in the middle of the greatest tour of my life right now, and I'm in a constant communication
vacation with my brothers and my sister and hell my all my kids my incredible wife Shemaine and and my band and my crew everybody around me Mike as you've seen they really are about, it's all about heart and soul so the American dream is available to anybody with an alarm clock and a drive to be the best that they can be Jeffrey Nugent made a lot of sense to me he he made a lot of sense and as he wrote in the Washington Post last week he said not everyone is qualified to own a gun so expanded background checks should be a legislative priority. And I'll paraphrase Ted, but he, but he said that this we're not giving an inch mentality of the NRA is counterproductive for the country. Why is he wrong? Well, two points. Number one, uh, it, it, he and I agree, and I, I, you know, you and I have spent a lot of time together. We all agree. Of course, not everyone should have a gun. Everyone should not have a Buick. <laughs> everyone should not have a wood chipper or a blowtorch or a Gibson Birdland. So, uh, limitations are uh, are reasonable. Uh, felons should not have access to weapons. In fact, felons and violent criminals and and psychotics, like you will find behind the mass murders in Sandy Hook and. Aurora and Tucson and Columbine and Virginia Tech ad nauseum. None of those people should have had guns. Their parents knew it. Their their siblings knew it. Their neighbors knew it. And they sounded the alarms. Their teachers sounded the alarms. And the alarms were not ambiguous. The alarms were, I'm afraid he's going to come to school with a gun and shoot people. But no one responded. And that's the failure of our mental health system and the abject failure of our anti-justice system that forces recidivistic monsters into our streets, Michael. So my brother is uh, is right. We all agree not everyone should have access to firearms, and not everyone should have access to the streets of this country. They should be in cages, and the statistics, Mike, are irrefutable. But what, what, what's wrong? Report. But what's wrong then with Mansion Toomey, which I thought was very modest? I mean, Ted, let me. Here's my analogy. If I were to sell you my car or my truck. We are going to involve somehow the government in the transfer of the title. It seems reasonable to me that nobody's going to stand in your way of buying my car or truck unless you're a loon, but we're going to make sure that there's some level of oversight where your name gets run through a computer. What's wrong with that? Two points, Mike. There's not a constitutional amendment for automobiles. And number two... Do you think all that paperwork has saved one person on the highways of America? Well, the role is not the same. It, it's my analogy is, is just well, I that think they are the same. I think they're, they're tools of convenience and productivity for transportation and self-defense. The weapon, the firearms, have a more pragmatic and more life-and-death uh, duty and, and, and use and utility than an automobile does. So I'm going to give the priority to my right to defend myself. And without the government's failures, Benghazi, without the government's failures, Fast and Furious, without the government's failures, IRS, without the government's failure sending F-16s to Egypt, Mr. President. Do I need to go on? This is a government you're going to trust to determine whether you should have the right to defend yourself? Tell me how that works, Michael. Well, that Second Amendment does say a well-regulated militia. And I mean, I, I, I always... From our founding fathers. I always... word from our founding fathers said that we, the people are the militia. We are the protectors of this experiment self-government, no matter where that evil might surface, whether it's a rapist or it's a tyrant. Do you not I, agree with that? I think I'm going to be sitting on Jeff's side of the Thanksgiving table. That's what I've, that's what I've <laughs> well, just I decided. Pass, I will pass the gravy clockwise. Ted, Ted I, I think what Jeffrey offers the NRA, 
truly is is common sense in terms of what's best not only for the country but what's best for the organization because you know like him over the years at different times I've been a member but this draw a line in the sand mentality is totally off-putting to me it, it's illogical and I, I think that it undercuts your overall mission that's well, what I, I think. think I think it's a matter of how we've been related to the public and the media has certainly took it a hateful dishonest misrepresentative approach to the NRA. It was the NRA that pushed through the instant check system so that the FBI would make sure every federal firearms licensee um, had to check the purchaser of a firearm. That was the NRA. The NRA trains law enforcement and military and, and, and has made the most progressive forward motion for saving uh, safety lessons for children and for hunters across this country. So I think we all agree the NRA has actually accomplished a lot, but the media has lied about us. The NRA is families who believe in self-defense and safety and, and law and order. That's what the NRA is 100%. So anything otherwise is a direct lie from the media. Here's here's Jeffrey Nugent. He says the NRA has it wrong. Irresponsible gun owners are bad for everyone. Agree. Well, that's, that's what the NRA agrees with. If you shouldn't have access to a gun, then there should be no way for you to access a gun. Can agreed, anyone argue agreed. with that? Absolutely, and that's the NRA's stance for the last forty plus years. Okay, so your but but your response then on the merit to the idea of a background check for for criminals or mental health is that you just can't trust the government to run that process. Oh, well, first of all, the government is running it. There's a you know ninety eight percent of all firearm transactions already go through FFL dealers that have to have the FBI background check, and there's been so many failures in that system. The bad guys don't go there. The bad guys don't go to gun shows. Do you think a background check increase or variation, Michael, would have stopped Sandy Hook or Aurora or the shootings that took place since you and I got on the phone in Chicago? Do you think any more background checks would stop any of those crimes? Do you have any evidence that that would happen? Here's my response to that. I'll give you a direct answer because I know you're going to say, well, direct answer. You are my direct answers are. You're going to say to me, well, it wouldn't have in Aurora, and it wouldn't have in Sandy Hook, and it wouldn't have at Virginia Tech. And it wouldn't in Chicago, wouldn't New York. Here's my mindset. I I think there are too many weapons in circulation that have gotten into the wrong hands. You can blame blame Eric Holder for that, Michael. What are you thinking, Fast and Furious? You think? On a different day, you're going to be upset with me, but we're going to go through all these different sound bites because I don't see these instances the way that you do. You also talked about Benghazi, but I'm trying to stay focused on the Second Amendment. Too many guns out there in too many of the wrong hands. Agreed. And, and they, they agreed. need to be controlled. And I find it reasonable to say, therefore, from this day forward, we're going to make sure that every gun that is transferred has some level of oversight so that if there is a mental health flag or if there's a criminal background uh, flag out there, we're going to stand in the way of that transaction. If Ted Nugent wants to go buy a gun, Ted's not a problem under the eyes of the law. Go buy your guns. Well, unfortunately, statistically, even the FBI Uniform Crime Report has proven that more people are killed every year with baseball bats and tire irons. This is the FBI statistic, and it's corroborated by the U.N. study on violent crime and the use of firearms in crime. Unfortunately, the statistics do not support your dreamy thought that we're going to somehow stop any crimes or save any 
many lives by getting the government involved with me giving a shotgun to my son on Christmas. My son has to go through a background check to get his dad's squirrel rifle. It's absolute nonsense. And statistically, it won't save lives. Why don't you join me in getting a justice system that doesn't let people who kill people and stab people and shoot people and rape people keep them in cages forever? That's how you stop 98% of the crime. Would you join me with that? I want Jeffrey and Ted Nugent in the studio at the same time. How do we make... I'll bring you guitar and put both of you in front of the amplifier. Here's what we can do, Ted. We can do that at SiriusXM in New York. We can do that at SiriusXM in Washington. We can do it at my home base in Philly. But I I really want to get together. And, And the beauty of satellite is... We'll take as much time as we need, and I'll have the the two of you together, and we'll have a good conversation about guns. Can you help me? You you make help me make that happen. Sure, I I would work with due diligence to make that happen. You know, Linda Peterson can perform miracles in her spare time. At at Uh, ten quarters, I take that invitation to heart, and I I do salute you, Michael, because you and I have always had a good dialogue. Absolutely, we've never got uh, hateful and mean spirited like we see in some of the circles. And my brother and I would agree on ninety nine percent of the uh, different issues, but I think I have more uh, uh, information. I have studied this issue. I've been a part of this issue a longer time, and I'm I, I would offer to fix both you and Jeff on your radio show. What can I say? You've heard from Jeffrey Nugent. You've heard from Ted Nugent. If I could get John and Kathy Nugent, I'd like to interview them and do a an anthropological sociology uh, a study of the, the type A Nugent personalities. Back in a moment. You're listening to Aiming for Facts, a week-long deep dive into America's gun culture. Here's Michael Smirconish. And so ends day three of Aiming for Facts, our week-long deep dive into America's gun culture. Let me just say, as, as we are now beyond the midway point, that if you missed either of the first two installments or you want to go back and listen to Jeffrey Nugent and Ted Nugent again, go to Smirconish.com because all of the audio as well as the corresponding written information is posted at my website we began the week with herman lopez from vox and uh adam langford and john donahue yesterday was john lott a second amendment purist lawrence tribe from harvard was here amy howe from scotus blog all of this content now that we put it all together, is there because I want you to listen to it and share it with friends and, and, and think about some of the things that you're hearing thus far. And let me also mention what's to come because on tomorrow, on Thursday's program, Pat Dunphy will be here. He's a trial lawyer from Wisconsin. We'll talk about PLACA, which is the federal law that gives such great protection to gun makers and sellers, although Pat Dunphy was successful representing a police officer in getting around the law. There is litigation pending against Remington on behalf of Sandy Hook families represented by Josh Koskoff. He'll be here tomorrow. David Hemingway will join us as well. And then on the Friday installment of the program, allow me to make my pitch for data integration one more time and then have it responded to by a district attorney. What would have happened in Florida if the left and right hand had been better coordinated and if they'd all known about the shooter in advance? 
Amy Barnhorst will offer us a mental health perspective. She, she wrote an amazing essay recently and said, look, I've been in the position as a mental health provider of having someone with access to weapons who, who I thought was a potential danger. It's not easy to deny them their liberty. And then finally, and this is the way we're going to end the week, Andrew Lee is going to join me. He's a member of parliament in Australia. I think we're all familiar. We've all heard something about how Australia had a mass shooting and then had a gun buyback program that has been uh, amazing in its success, or so says the data. So two more days yet to come, but please, please take a moment and go to smirconish.com and not only vote on the poll question, but take a look at all the audio that is pended there. See ya. The Smirconish Podcast for independent minds. Listen to Michael Smirconish live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east on Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124 or anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee.